Acts chapter 5. Of course, we've been studying Acts, Book of Acts, on Wednesdays, and also not that long ago we had a, uh, a series of lessons on benevolence. And so I thought it might be useful if we just kind of talk about Ananias and Sapphira for a few uh, minutes and uh, try to, you know, again, uh, reemphasize some points and hopefully learn some other things about them. But let's begin. I'll read Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So at the beginning of chapter 5, we see... Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, they sell a possession, sell land, and then they bring and they a certain part and lay it at the apostles' feet. And of course, I think without understanding previous passages, we really don't uh, really understand completely what their intent was here. But we see uh, in the early part of really while the church was in Jerusalem that in Acts chapter 2 and also in Acts chapter 4, we see a, a theme here in which the Christians, they were together, they had all things in common. And it says, They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so my stuff, if if there was somebody that needed help, I was willing to, to sell those things or give them those things so that they so that they would have the things that they are needing. And you think about the, you know, at least during that this time, the the unity that these brethren shared and the love that they had for one another. And, and I think it's also interesting, if you remember Acts chapter 2, that we had these Jews coming from all over the the world, all over the, in these different areas, coming uh, to Jerusalem during Pentecost. So when you think about these Jews becoming Christians, they, they, they may be people from all over that, that they are probably staying here and so if they're they've left and they weren't prepared for staying here for a long period of time you can see where there could be several of these uh, jews that are now christians that would need help but we see them willing that these that had excess that they were willing to give so that they could have their needs and we also see that in acts chapter four as well it says now the multitude of those who believe were one heart and a one soul. Notice that, again, this idea of unity. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 
Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone who had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated certain of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So again, we see that they were one heart, one soul, all things in common. Uh, none of them had, none of them lacked. And so those that had possessions of lands or houses, they sold them. And, you know, they brought the proceeds of those things. And those proceeds were used to, and distributed to those who had, had need. It was the same thing that we see in chapter 2. And also in Acts chapter 4 and verse 37, again, understanding what Ananias and Sapphira were doing, they were selling this land so they were, so, so that they could, and they were giving part of it so that they that those proceeds could be used to help those that are needed. And so here we have this phrase again: brought the money, laid that at the apostles' feet. They bring it there so that they could be, uh, so that it could be used and distributed as needed. Now, uh, most of y'all are probably aware of this, but and we see the you know the the willingness and the benevolence of those individuals that were willing to help people that they probably didn't know a whole lot. About, of course, they were Christians. Now they were same part of that kingdom, but probably there were several people that probably didn't know a whole lot of one another. Especially when we think about the dispute between the, the, the you know the Jews and the, and the Hebrews and the Hellenists in that situation. And it could have been several of these uh, people that just they were not really acquainted with one another. And anyways, going on, I, I found this chart. This is on howmuch.net. That's a, it's, it's an interesting website. They make a lot of graphs, graphics. And you think about us in America today and the great wealth that we have. And, of course, things have changed now. And there's, it's a little different with the corona and all that. But this is a chart of the GDP of each country in 2019. This is all denominated in dollars. So this all on the same playing field, and you see how the United States, the the total world's GDP, the United States holds almost a quarter of that, and of course the next one following is China, and then you see Germany and Japan, and then uh, all of these other different, all of these different uh, countries, and you can see how uh, productive and wealthy the United States is, and if the nation is wealthy, of course, that would mean that it's more likely that, you know, there's going to be a lot of individuals that are extremely wealthy as well, and so kind of give an idea of where we're sitting at in, in the world as far as how much just money that we have. Also, this is another chart that you, when you get from a national down to a state level, there's a lot going on in this chart, but it breaks down and it compares each state's GT, GDP to a comparable country. And uh, I think this is interesting. The GDP of Texas is considerable is comparable to the GDP of Canada. Uh, uh, California, uh, comparable to the GDP of the United Kingdom. Mississippi here is comparable to the GDP of Ecuador. So... When you even when you break it down to a, a state level, you can see how just a, each state is very productive, and each state on its own can be extremely wealthy. Especially when you look at states like Texas, California. Or you look at Florida here; that uh, you can't really see that, but that's it's comparable to the GDP of Mexico. And so we see, uh, you know, again this great wealth that we have in our country. And think about this in terms of our giving. 
uh, the meeting of needs uh, for those that that need help and our in our you know our benevolence in general. Uh, another thing is look at how the United States' income compares to, to the rest of the world. Now I understand we got differences in cost of living and all that stuff, but the blues here, the blues and the light blues, this represents. Uh, incomes that are twelve thousand seven hundred and thirty-six dollars or more. So that you know, making over twelve thousand dollars a year, this is going to be the blue and the light blue countries. But notice when you get to the yellow, the oranges, and the reds, the yellow is you're making between four and twelve thousand dollars. The orange between one and four thousand dollars, and the red you're making below a thousand dollars. And the reason I bring this up is look at the large swaths of earth that are are in the yellow two red income groups. So you look at China, you look at India, uh, I think just those two countries alone are about 2 billion people. And and so the average income in China is less than 12,000. In India, it's 4,000 or below. And of course, you look at Africa, that most of that is in the orange to, to red income groups. So all that to say is we're we as Americans, we are the uh, we're we're wealthy compared to other countries. Uh, seems as though it's interesting as time goes on. You look at how government defines needs. Uh, you know now our needs are cell phones and you know internet and all that stuff, and just how uh, different our standard of living is compared to other uh, countries, and how wealthy we are. And and and, and again. Think about uh, how we spend our money, and when we look at what we give and how we give, and, and looking at uh, you know finding those or, or or seeing those needs, what do we do? Do we do we uh, you know do we make excuses or do we realize that we you know we have a lot of excess or a lot of us have a lot of excess? I guess you would say, and that could be used to fulfill the needs of other brethren or even uh, other people in general. Now, also recognize that uh, we see those examples. Uh, Christians are commanded to help those uh, that are in need. I find it interesting. We see this verse in Acts chapter 20 of Paul. Uh, He's talking to the Ephesians elders. And notice what he says, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. So he's, he's, He's providing for himself. He's going to work. He's an evangelist, but yet he's, he's going out and working. And he says, by laboring like this, and this means by you working, you going out and work, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more, more blessed to give than to receive. So he's saying, and, you know, he's saying that, you know, he had this job. He, he, he could have been an evangelist, and, and he could have said, you know what, I'm an evangelist. You need to fully support me. I'm going to do this. That's it. But he's saying that he's going, at, not only is he an evangelist, but his job is not done with that. He's actually going out and working as well. And so kind of flip that around to us who are not evangelists, that you go out and work, but you don't just use that and just blow it on your own on your own pleasures and, and you know, getting your toys and all that. But part of this, why you're laboring, is that you, that you can support the weak. That's part of the reason why you're going out and working uh, here. That this is not just something as well. Well, there's, you know, when there's, if I have a little extra this month, I may help out somebody or whatever. This is, this is, you know, this is more like part of your budget that you're going out here and thinking about 
uh, that's saying, hey, part of my income, uh, part of the reason why I'm even going out here and working every day is so that I can help support uh, those that need uh, that help. Romans 12, 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality, again, uh, needs of the saints, and distributing to the needs, but also giving to hospitality as well. Ephesians 4, verse 28, it's kind of, this again, the same idea that we see in Acts chapter 20. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has needs. So, this person that stole, so he's taking, but now he's no longer taking, but he needs to go to work, and now he's actually uh, working so that he may have give to have something to give him who has need. So he was taking, now he's working, being productive, and he's actually giving to those who are, have need. And again, uh, this idea that uh, part of his labor part of the reasoning of his labor so that he can have something to give for to him who has a need as well. So, you know, you know, again, this is kind of this uh, different mentality than we see in, in, in our culture today. Uh, and also, um, I think Andrew mentioned this earlier, but, uh, you know, we see that we are commanded to help the needy, but uh, this is, Recognize that there are limitations to this. Uh, in Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So you help those that are needy, but those that are just that just refuse to help themselves when they could. Uh, this person this person shouldn't shouldn't even eat. So there's that person does not need to be helped. And uh, you think about uh, it's interesting with our current coronavirus thing. The the uh, you know we have the big unemployment uh, payments and all that, and uh, this incentive for people to not work. And of course, I'm not saying it's wrong for people to be on unemployment or whatever, but I am saying that, that uh, these people that are just laid up and just you know they're just sitting around all day not doing anything. Uh, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. This is not what a Christian ought to be doing. And uh, you need to be uh, busy about doing something. You need to be doing something productive. And if you're not, then uh, you know you 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 shouldn't be uh, provided for. You shouldn't be eaten. Now, going along with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. I'll, I always think that it's, when when I read this uh, story, it's interesting because a lot of times when we think about uh, peer pressure, it's in a negative sense. But it seems as though with Ananias and Sapphira, the only the only logical reason I'd come up with is why they're doing this thing is they're is they're seeing these people give give uh, this money, and they're seeing well, you know, they're probably getting some praise, they're probably getting patted on the back, and they're doing good. And it seems as though they're looking at that and, and they're wanting this glory uh, from men. And it's pressuring them to make this decision of, you know what, we're going to sell this land and um, we're going to say that we're giving all of the money, but not really, because for whatever reason, they, they weren't able to give it all. And so, you know, I think in a, in a sense, that was a good good peer pressure i think they just went about it in the you know in a sinful way but they were seeing this good that these people were doing and they were pressured to do uh good as well 
They just were doing it for the wrong reason. But I think we also have to understand that, uh, you know, when I'm out and about and I see somebody doing right, it, it's, it's a good type of peer pressure for me to see somebody out going out and evangelize. If somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, I, you know, I talked to two people this morning about the gospel. And somebody tells me that, I'm going to start thinking about, well, you know, I, you know, I've been slacking then compared to him. And it causes me to examine myself, and it causes me to want to be more productive in the kingdom. And it's a way in which that helps us a lot. But the problem with Ananias and Sapphira was their impure motives with this. In Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4, it says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So, Ananias and Sapphira, they're doing these, these things to be ultimately to be seen by men. They want to have this glory from men. But Jesus says when you do your charitable deeds, don't do it uh, to be seen by these people. And he says otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, don't sound a trumpet before you. you know, don't go out and make it well known that you're doing all these great deeds. And uh, we see in verse 3, it says, When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That you're, that you're doing these things and you're, just, you know, you're, you're not making these things known. And you're, just, you're going to do those things because it's the, the right thing to do. And, the, and he says in verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And uh, I have this uh, picture here, and I think this really kind of you know, illustrates, you think about the individuals, I think a lot, a lot about that um, companies that do a lot of charity work that they that they they make it well known if they're if they're giving some money or they're they're helping out some uh, group of people they're making it well known and they're using it as a form of advertising and uh, we see here that this uh, you know you see pictures of face on Facebook and stuff of people helping these individuals and you know they'll talk about uh, helping this person and then what you see is a picture of them and a picture of the the person that they're helping on Facebook. And they're, they're, they're making it well known and say, hey, I'm doing this great thing. But when you do these things, when you do this good, uh, don't. Don't 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 be doing this to be seen of men. Don't be thinking when I'm going to be do, you know when I go do this. You know what I can put this on Facebook and I get a lot of likes on this. This is if you're going to go out, do not be uh, going about this in, in in that manner. We need to understand that when we're doing these things, we're doing those things because it's the right thing to do, and uh, we're doing that for that reward, that heavenly reward that we receive from the Father, not for any earthly benefit that we may receive. Matthew uh, 15, and verses 19 through 20, it says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Th- these are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So when we see Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're holding back a portion, their, their portion of, the, of the money. They're lying. Uh, it, really what we see is this is indicative of their hearts, uh, that their hearts are not right with God. If because out of the heart proceeds all of these things. 
And so when 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 you commit this sin, we see ultimately it originates in this heart. And that's another thing when we t- when we think about uh, people uh, missing services uh, or some other things that may not seem as serious that. When these people are doing these things, it's indicative of that there's a heart problem here, that it's not just as simple as, well, you know, they're missing services. There's something else going on, and we need to be aware of that. And it says for these things that they, uh, you know, of course, Jesus is saying that those things are the things which defile a man. In First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6, it says, But as we have approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. This is uh, Paul writing through the Thessalonians, and he's making it clear that... um, when we're speaking this gospel, we've been entrusted with the gospel. We're not speaking these things as pleasing men. We're not telling you what just what you want to hear, the pleasing things. Uh, but he says we've been we you know we're pleasing God and God who tests our heart. Verse five says we did not use flattering words as a cloak for uh, nor a cloak for covetousness. Uh, he did not seek glory from men. Uh, either from you or from others. And so here we see Paul, and he, he makes this point in other passages as well, is that he's he's trying to make it clear that he's not doing these things for the glory of men, that he's the true the true reason why he's doing this thing is so that he can be pleasing to God. And so if we're giving uh, to others, make sure that we do that with the right heart, that we're doing this to please God because God, that's what God wants us to do not just to be seen by men and, and to make them, you know, make them think that, you know, you're some great individual or, or trying to receive glory from them uh, in any way. Now, we, we think about it, and, and this, this point was made when we were studying Acts chapter uh, 5, is it's interesting when we see with Ananias and Sapphira that there was, uh, didn't really seem like there was any chance of repentance uh, for those uh, individuals that they did wrong, uh, it was recognized as wrong, and then they were killed. They had a chance to, they of course they had a chance to do right, but they chose not to, and they were immediately killed for that. We see a similar situation in Leviticus chapter ten and verses one and three through three. It says, "Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them." So he went out from the, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, "This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified." So Aaron held his peace. So notice in the context here, this was uh, this was soon after this, the the you know giving of the or they're they're giving the old law, and so this covenant has been established. And so we see this happening soon after that. Notice what he says in verse 3, though. The reasoning for why he did that. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. This is why, this is why uh, God did those things, to make it clear that if you're going to be entrusted with uh, this duty, 
If you're going to come near me, you need to you need to understand what you're doing. That I need to be regarded as holy. You need to understand that you're coming to me, and you uh, need to do things exactly as I command. Now we see, uh, uh, I think, kind of a similar reaction uh, to this, and God really trying to really uh, making His point here, and I think a similar point is being made because in Acts chapter five and verse eleven it says so great. Fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So I'm assuming that those people that saw that fire, they were, fear came upon them. And what God is trying to make clear is that I must be regarded as holy. What God is making clear here is, you know, you need to regard me as holy. You don't lie to me when you're doing these things. You come here with a pure heart. You do these things with a pure heart. And uh, we see that. When the people there saw these things, it, it, that fear came upon them, that they understand. And, of course, when we see the establishment in, in, of the church in chapter 2, we really don't see any instances of sin amongst the, the Christians there. At least it's not pointed out until Ananias and Sapphira. Now, this is the real first big issue, problem that came up. And we see how God dealt with that, and we see that kind of that same, same uh, situation with Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10. So there's a reason for all, all of this, that God's going to make clear uh, that he's going to kind of, you know, check everybody when it first, when that covenant is first established, he's going to make sure that everybody realizes the significance of those things. And it's up to us, you know, after that to make the choice and realize uh, what what we're doing. Now, one last point that I want to make is we see where Peter makes the point that uh, that uh, he's that uh, Ananias has lied to the Holy Spirit in chapter five and verse three, uh, three, not free, three, and uh, there's some question about what all this lying to the Holy Spirit means, and I, I don't know uh, when when we see that he's lying to the Holy Spirit. He's lying to God. God knows exactly what they've done. God knows that, they, that they're a lying to them. God knew exactly what they were up, up to. The thing about that is, is just like he knew about Ananias and Sapphira, he knows what you're up to, too. He knows what I'm up to. Nothing is going to escape uh, God's, uh, God's, uh, God's eyes God's, uh, and God's judgments. And Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So here, Paul is saying, Do not be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you're out and about living in sin, continuing in sin, uh, you're going to reap corruption. You're going to re- reap the reward for that. But he who sows to the Spirit, uh, you're obedient to the will of God. If you're sowed to the Spirit, you know, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life?